beyond excited to announce that I have partnered up with Magimix for this season of Crazy Sexy Food. As the inventor of the food processor, Magimix is a family-owned business that has an amazing reputation as makers of quality kitchen appliances and are cherished and adored all around the world by both chefs and home cooks alike. I remember growing up and always seeing my mum's beloved Magimix on her countertop and the utter ease of how she used it. Fast forward to today and my beautiful Magimix cook expert is literally the most used appliance in my kitchen. This latest innovation is both a food processor and multi-cooker in one machine. It's a game changer for me and it's such a dream to use. I think of it as my personal sous chef. I give it all the hard work to get on with so I can focus on more interesting jobs like tasting, flavouring and serving up delicious meals. And don't even get me started on their ice cream machine, the gelato expert. It makes ice cream to rival even the best Italian delicacies. Oh, and if that isn't enough, come September, they're launching a new range of blenders. Fancy getting your hands on one of their products? Then use my code CSFMAGIMIX for a 15% discount at magimix.co.uk. Follow Magimix UK on social, download their brilliant app for hundreds of delicious recipe ideas and see how the amazing Magimix can become your personal sous chef in your kitchen too. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs and people who just love their food to find out all about their life, career and their favourite tastes along the way. Today I'm joined by Glyn Fussell, the man behind one of the best club nights ever, Sink the Pink. He is also the co-founder of the Mighty Hoopla Festival, a fellow podcast host, and most recently, the author of a brand new book, Manifesto for Misfits. I am beyond excited to have this absolute trailblazer in my home. He has done more than most for the LGBTQ community, inclusivity, freedom, safe spaces, connection, acceptance. These are all words that come to mind when I think about Glenn's resume of all the fabulosity he has put his hands to over the years. With the recent release of his first book, Glenn's outward facing life has turned into introspection and I cannot wait to cover it all with him. Glitter, feathers and all. Glenn, welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. What an intro. (laughs) How are you supposed to sit through that? But I will take the trailblazer. I like that. Well, this is super exciting for I'm me. I'm very, very happy to be here. I love your podcast. Thank you so much. I love yours too. Oh, honey. Stop it. And I love your granola. Yeah, I know. So, Glyn came early, which I was actually... <laughs> they all say that. Um... <laughs> Let's start <laughs> how we aim to continue. <laughs> um, he came early, which I actually like. Mm. I love punctuality. Oh, I'm always punctual. And he came hungry. So, you came at the perfect day. I've just made my famous oh, granola. Wowzers. You happy? Divine. I'm getting the recipe. Yes. It's unbelievable, that is. Yeah. It, no, it is good. It, yeah. I'm, I'll give you the secret recipe it's later. It's earthy, hearty, and wholesome. Oh, stop it. Mm, Love give me that, that. M&S ad. <laughs> <laughs> so before we start off, I need to ask, what did you have for breakfast today? Or was that your breakfast? I had. <laughs> yeah. I had. I was, as I was eating that, I thought, shall I tell? I had muesli, but I always cut up. Uh, 
I never eat the same. I'm not a, a creature of habit in yeah. that way. I need to be excited by everything. Um, and especially everything I eat. So I have little mystery mixes okay. in my cupboard of like mixed fruits and mixed nuts that I just chuck all together. And I might, you know, put some bits and bobs in, some magic. And then I'll just use its toppings on Ooh. muesli. I had coconut yogurt on top of it. And I always have a first thing. First thing I do right at the beginning of the morning is always have a hot water and fresh lemon. So do I. Keep them bowels moving, baby. <laughs> and I used to have a coffee, actually. I always have a, um, I don't do dairy, so a little oat milk Americano. Mm-hmm. And same. Yeah, literally. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we're going to probably find that we're related at yes, some point. we are. Surprise! <laughs> um, but I recently found out that you shouldn't have coffee until mid-morning. And yeah. I found that it did set me off in a bit of crazy town. My body's not quite woken up, but my brain is racing and it used to give me anxiety. That's so interesting. I've, yeah, so I've just, I, I wait as long as I can now before I have one. So are you quite healthy? Oh, gosh. I'm and by healthy, I, I just mean, are you quite mindful about yes, what you're eating? Yes, Seems yes. like it. Well, I am a Gemini in every sense of the word. Um, but I'm pretty much plant-based, although I will occasionally eat um, mollusks. <laughs> I will eat mollusks. I love me some mollusks. <laughs> no, so I random. Will, yeah, I will, you know, I love oysters yeah. and, and sh- just shellfish yes. and stuff. And it also makes me just feel a bit stronger. Yeah. But yeah, primarily I'm, I'm plant-based. And as I'm getting older, I would say the majority of my, of my food intake is the healthy stuff mm. with, you know, the odd, terrible, dirty Absolutely. And food. I think that's also just really important. Yeah. You've got to have everything in moderation. I'm just way more. I'm, I'm really in tune with my body mm. as I've got older. I, I'm, it, it's... The body's quite simple, really, isn't it? And I think we spend so long overcomplicating things. I certainly have. Trust mm-hmm. me. I've, and I've put my body through the ringer and my brain through the ringer over the years, as you can understand, working um, in the industry that I work in. So as I've got older, I, I'm, I'm very tuned into it. If I eat really good food throughout the day, I get a lot out of the day. My brain operates properly. Uh, I, my attention span, my sleep's better. Oh. All of that. And I also know the foods that don't agree with me. And my boyfriend definitely knows because, ooh, I get farty. (laughs) I get very windy. Trip to Trumpton. Yeah. We we all know. We all got those uh, those little moments, trust me. He says sometimes we wake up in the morning and and the duvet is almost like (laughs) levitating (laughs) above the (laughs) sixth sense. Yeah. If my husband was here, you guys would be bonding over that. Anyway, I'm not going (laughs) to out myself too much right now. As I said, obviously, it's a pleasure to have you here. And you have been just so busy. I mean, you've been busy Mm. for quite a few years with everything you've sort of put your hand to. But particularly over the past few months, you've got the new book out. The podcast launched this year. It was the end of Sync the Pink. The mighty hoopla came back. And we're going to cover all of this. But let's just talk about the new book. Congratulations. Thank you. First and foremost. Thank you. This is so exciting. For anyone that may not know what it's about, yeah. give us a little synopsis. Sure. Um, I have always been very much in the eye of the storm of what I'm doing in my life. And that has been wonderful. And I've created these amazing spaces for um, sometimes quite fractured people, people that 
don't feel like they fit in anywhere. And I've been the ringleader and the support network and the facilitator <clears throat> of all these things. Um, but I've been so in it and so busy that I've rarely reflected or been nostalgic. And then that thing, the pandemic happened. Mm. And it gave me a real chance to look at all of the things that not only myself, but you know, me steering my community have achieved. And there was a real reoccurring link between all of them and that all of the people that are involved in the night from the drag queens to the DJs <clears throat> to the set designers and all the people that come, they're misfits. They're like underdogs. They're those, those people that live in the creases of society and that we find power when we're together. And Sing the Pink's such a gift and it's given me and so many others a space physically, mentally, emotionally to connect and to thrive. But it can only be so big. If you live in, um, you know, anywhere out really of, of the UK, you don't get to experience that. And I thought, I want to take that message. I want to take all of those learnings and put it into a book that can essentially be me leading someone on the dance floor wherever they are in the world. Um, it's been the most overwhelming thing I've ever done because a book like that when it connects with someone it really connects it's like I'm speaking to them so what's been wonderful about it is that it's connected me on social platforms and you know I'll receive emails and stuff from mm. people I've never met that it's like I'm talking to them and that's what I wanted this book to do and it's not just my experiences I didn't want this book to be self-helpy in any way I wanted it to be a repositioning tool not only for people that feel like misfits but for other people that might know someone that's struggling I think the best of humankind is when we're being kind and when we have a level of empathy and we're trying to help people that's when we're at our best and so that's what I'm trying to do in this book and we've got great I guess famous quote-unquote weirdos in there we've got young blood skin jade from little mix um Jake Shears is in it, Lily Allen's in it, great people. Mm. And yeah, I, I've always struggled with talking about my achievements, but this felt bigger than me actually. And I'm so proud of it. I'm so, so proud of this book. And it feels like a piece of work that will just continue forever and it can exist for as long as it's needed. Gosh, it's, it's interesting like hearing you talk about it because when I think of your career, and as I said, we'll sort of get onto all the minutiae of that in a minute. But, you know, Sink the Pink was or is or whatever, it was that place for everyone to join in, yeah. right? Doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you look like, exactly. anything. And so you've kind of, in a way, correct me if I'm wrong, not only was it about you sort of putting pen to paper and I guess sort of putting down everything that you wanted to that was in your head, but the collection of your experiences over the years. Because I can also imagine, like what you've just said, you were this connector for years, yeah. right? You were this sort of, you were the one at the top of the food chain that brought these people yeah. together. And I'm sure you've heard incredible stories, sad stories, distressing stories. People have come to you, seen you as like, you know, a, a person that they can speak yeah. to. and. That must be quite challenging in its own right as well. It's really challenging. That. It's challenging because everyone's story is different. Yeah. But I think what we all share is hope. Yeah. And we all want to be hopeful about what it could be. And I think 
I pride myself on my honesty and telling people the truth. And, um, but also I am, for anyone that knows me, one of the most positive people you'll ever meet. And I think that even, and I think actually, I think that's a big part of being LGBTQ plus. We have no choice. (laughs) You know, we've been held down, we've been persecuted and there's been so much, you know, our history is, there's a lot of sadness Mm. is the truth. Mm. And so we've become very resilient and, I, I think culturally, we tell stories as queer people. We have to tell stories because we don't go to church. We don't, you know, bond as much at football games. Yeah. And so our, our storytelling and our passing down of our culture is books like this mm. and, and, and great poetry and art. And, and so it's just, I just had a moment where... I got over myself and I thought, actually, I just have to do this. I have to. Because otherwise, everything I've achieved up to this point doesn't really mean anything. And I was having a little bit of a crisis where Sink the Pink's so magnificent, but I think I needed to get it down. I needed to get down its resonance and its meaning past the the debauchery of it. You know know what I mean? No, I totally, I totally understand. And and I'm so glad you've done it, actually, because... It was needed. Yeah. Right? So I want to just slowly bring in the food a little bit. And by that, I'm going to start at the beginning. So you were born and raised in Bristol, beautiful part of the UK, may I say. I want to know what life was like growing up, but I want to know what you were eating, who was cooking, what was on the table. So to paint the picture. I grew up in a really huge family. So I'm one of seven. Wow. Yeah. Just very working class background. Um, My mum was also a a childminder. Um, illegally so she wasn't registered so we had so she many just children found out yeah bastard mom um, and our and excuse this pun back door was always open <laughs> it, but They're it just was keep coming my, through, our they? house we were that house that um, people would just walk in help themselves to the crisp bucket and then go and sit at home until their mums got home from work and my mum was, she is the eternal matriarch. She's strong. She's powerful. So what we grew up in, or with, I should say, was one pot cooking. Nice. You know, because I think we all, you know, there's, from the youngest to the eldest of my family, there's 15 years. So that's for babies up mm. to senior school kids. So yeah. we're all getting home. So it was, it was very much about um, cooking as much as possible, and as resourcefully as possible and um, helping ourselves. My mum was always adamant that we sat around the dinner table though, which was, it was just, I, I really stick to that as I've got older. And I think it's my connection to my, my roots and my family. Um, but it was hard with my mum. <laughs> also because we only had six chairs. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a little bit of a favourites yeah. game, to be honest. But you know what, I was just like, I bang on about this. I think sitting around a table yeah. is so important. Yeah. And turning the TV off. Oh my That's God. The... Oh yes. See, my boyfriend, let me tell you, he, <laughs> he grew up in a tray household. Where, okay. Yeah. Well, a, I hate that because you get yeah. food everywhere. Yeah. Also really bad indigestion because yeah. you're slightly bent over. And it's just, I think there's a whole kind of slouchy, <laughs> yeah. sluggy. I want, also if I cook for someone, I want to look in their eyes because I show my love with, with providing nourishment yeah. and nutrients yeah. and, and showing off. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to see that reaction. 
So that annoys me. But um, what's great now is when we go home, we all make a point. I try to reinstall it back into my family of sitting down. So yeah, there was a lot of lot of curries, a lot of chilies, a lot of spaghetti bolognese. It's all those classic um, borrowed dishes mm-hmm. <laughs> that aren't actually British. And if I think though about two things actually that I, you know, just when I think about my household that I think about. One is a doorstop cheese and onion sandwich with like raw onion and butter in it as thick as the cheese, right? Only me and my dad have that. Okay. And that's such an old school sandwich yeah, with the raw onions. With the raw onions. Yeah, that's such a proper that make like, your eyes sting. Yes. And it's um I don't eat cheese now, but when I go home, I have to have yeah. it. And every time I have it, I don't even know if I enjoy it. What I enjoy is that it's mine and my dad's thing. Yeah. And I enjoy it because there's nostalgia and homemade chips put in a butty oh. that my dad makes. And my mum's not allowed to make them. It's my dad's thing. You know when you have yeah, that? Yeah, oh, of course. Or we'll make Roger's yeah. chips. <laughs> Tonight we're going to have Roger's chips. And all the kids go, yay! So those, those are the kind of meals that we, we would have. Um, I was very fussy growing up, actually, with food because I didn't realise that I was force-fed meat and I, I never enjoyed it. So I did a lot of food, you know, mm. food swaps, which you could in our household. It was, give me your broccoli and I'll give you this chicken. And so <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah, bartering. <laughs> and I've been, a, I've been a wheeler dealer ever since. <laughs> I love it. It stemmed from the kitchen yeah. table. And I, I'm really intrigued because of like the route that you've taken in your life. What did you want to be when you were a child? I, well, I had a careers advisor called Mr. Blower, Derek Blower. Mr. Blower. Mr. Blower. I mean, I, I can't. Yeah. I just, it gets better. Uh, I know. <laughs> it gets better and better. Um, <laughs> and he was a relic of the past. Let's just say that. And when we had our final careers lesson... And I said to him, I want to, I want to be a showman. I didn't even really know what that meant, right? Okay. But I, it, and up until that point, by the way, I had actually been quite a shy child. And I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but when I went in for my one-on-one with, with Derek Blower, I think if I told him I was a showman, maybe he might know someone. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, great. I know Boy George. Yeah. Let me give him a call. John Moss has quit the band. You're on drums. But... I just told him and he went, hmm, yeah, no, that's not a career, but c- computers are going to be very big. Right. <laughs> of course he was wrong. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am, a showman that can't type. <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, I always knew that I just, I knew that I loved entertaining mm. I, and, I, or, and whatever that means, because mm. it can mean a million things, mm. can it? Um, and I, or, I've always loved making people laugh and making people feel welcome. And hosting, I love hosting. Like I love dinner parties. Um, I well, I, when I say I love hosting, I love it and hate it. I love the prep. I hate the afters. Oh God, yeah. You know, no, yeah. I hate the food everywhere. Yeah, yeah. That. Oh no, don't. I'm. Not, and I think you probably noticed. You know, I keep quite a clean home, and if I have people over, I'm sort of that person walking around following them because I'm cleaning yeah. up the crumbs as I'm going and along. And then also just... when you're hosting, your experience is very different than Always. everyone else's. And I don't think you, I mean, you enjoy it, but you never fully relax. Well, you, once you've given them the food and they loved it, your job's done. Yeah. I yeah. want them to leave then. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you know what I mean? You, if you yeah, could but that's, trot that's off now. Problem. My friends just off. want to hang around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit and sort of, I did a bit of research about yeah. it, obviously. So you sort of move from Bristol to London. I know you traveled the world a lot as I well. Did, you sort yeah. of went to go do what you needed to do. I came out in Australia as any uh, homosexual in the 90s should. <laughs> How old were you? I was 18 when I moved there. Um, in pursuit of Kylie Minogue and Priscilla Queen of the Desert. I couldn't think of anything better. Yeah, and I moved over there and I came out there. Um, and then after that, I just, I was very unsettled in trying to find out where I wanted to be. So I just followed the adventure and many adventures were had. <laughs> Some we probably can't talk about on here. Most we can't Most talk we can. about. But you end up in London. Yes. And what year was this? This, I moved to London in 2020, no, no, no not not. <laughs> he only moved down six months ago. I'm fresh, <laughs> I've just come down on the National really Express, <laughs> make me a star. <laughs> I moved here in 2001, 2001. He's still searching for Kylie Minogue. Yeah, yeah, exactly, 2001. Okay, so 2001, so let's just take it back to 2001. Yeah. I want to know what the scene was like down here at that time you know and I'm talking about LGBTQ yeah. plus community yeah. you know this is before you've created Sink the Pink course. I want to know like what was out there for the well, community it was really I talk about I've talk, talk about this not on podcast but with my friends a lot actually that point in time in London really informed my queerness because up until that point I'd come out as being gay and then I, I, I really did think that after saying those words, moving to Australia, oh, I was a go-go dancer, by the way. Oh, we'll get yes, to, you were. We'll get to that on another oh, day. Oh, God, I love um, that. And I just never, it's so strange because you come out and you think, just by saying I'm gay and wearing a crop top and dancing in the club, everything that you didn't feel before was going to magically appear. Mm. just was not the case. Because underneath just being a gay man, I'm also you know a, a bit of an alternative weird kid you know and so I always still felt, felt like an outsider so it was really peculiar so I moved to London and I just I was living I moved in a bed sit above a pub on Great Portland Street oh yeah um pub still there it's just across the road from the hospital mm -hmm. and it was gross but I paid for it by working in the pub I ate in the pub you know wow I didn't pay for the meals <laughs> I still owe them for those meals. <laughs> Thank you for those meals. And um, and I had one friend, and he was my lovely friend Dale, and he was into indie music. And at that time, you know, 2001, was the era of golf rap and block mm. party. And mm. there, was, there was a real alternative scene. So we used to go to pop stars at the Scala, which them, which was amazing, the old cinema. And their main room was, which is wild now to think, the music they played was like alternative music. They would have like gossip performing. And, oh, wow. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Gosh. And then they had a little pop room at the top and a sauna and b room. Um, and then there was just nag, nag, nag. There was, there was so many, I'll tell you what there was, there were so many clubs. And that's a really sad thing about London now is that although there are lots and lots of queer nights, the, the venues, the spaces have, have just disappeared. They've gone. They've yeah. gone. Yeah. And there was just so many micro scenes, actually. You, you, you know, Soho was pumping. But also there was a lot of alternative stuff in Soho, too. There was great places. Mm. Um, what was that? There was a... 
that you had like Shalanan, Sweet Sweet, Rebel Rebel. There was all these great nights going on. And then there was a, what was a really amazing was there was a great soul and R&B scene. And that was actually, even though I, I love the alternative stuff, my sweet spot is, I always say that you, you, if you love house music, you sort of dance with your arms. If you love soul and R&B, you dance with your gooch. Oh my God, that's <laughs> so true. And I am definitely a gooch dancer. Me too. Yes, I find that when that, when, when, the music, if you just listen to it and it becomes yeah, sensory, yeah, yeah, actually yeah. your body moves in the way it wants to move. Oh my God, it's so It's crazy, true. isn't it? Yes. You know, rock music's quite stompy. Mm, there mm. is actually a way that your body goes. Mm. So yeah, it was amazing. It was such a good time. Such a good time. But they were all very, like I said, um, minorities within minorities. So if you were into indie music, you went there. If you were a bear, you went to Vauxhall. If you were a twink, you went to Soho. There was nothing that brought those worlds together, which I found so peculiar because I was also all of those things. Oh, I wasn't a bear. <laughs> you know, I could appreciate that. Yeah. And I did go to Vauxhall. I used to go to Ducky at the Royal Vauxhall mm-hmm. Tavern. So I was someone that couldn't understand why those things would have to be separate. Yeah. So mm. it, I guess that then brings me to sort of you making you know London your home yeah and then a few years later creating this night called Sink the Pink yeah um with Amy Redmond yes I guess really simply put how did you start it why did you start it and what were those formative years like because I kind of came to it in the boom in, in yeah I say in the boom and then sort of I haven't been in a couple. Well, I hadn't. I, unfortunately, I had some friends who came to your final fabulous gala night. But you know, sort of explain what the whole process of that. Well, I think the best things in life start as a reaction to stuff that's not yeah. happening in your own personal life. Yeah. Because I am ne- naturally someone that wants to break the rules. It's just in me. Once you understand and realize that about yourself, you realize that you can you can use that part of your personality for good Mm. um and so I've always been someone that all my creating all of my businesses everything I've ever done is always a reaction to something that doesn't exist and I'm frustrated by uh, the festival but Sink the Pink was especially that um and and myself and Amy my my best friend and we were partners in crime in London and we'd been going out and also at the time she was working at Radio 1 so we would go to a lot of very credible stuff and then Mm. we would go to a lot of fashion pies in London. We were going out. We were both newly single and we were really taking the scene by storm. But again, we, we, were, we were naughty, so we would always be chucked out everywhere. We would always be getting in trouble. We would always feel as though people were looking down at us, mm. probably because they were, <laughs> and probably for good reason. Um, and so I think we got to a point where we were just fed up. We were so fed up of... Going out with this dream of how... You know that getting ready part oh, of the night? The, one of the best parts. With your friends and you're having the drinks. Yes. And you've romanticised the night that yes. you're going to have. How many times does that happen? Oh, Hardly ever. Yeah. It never happens. So we thought, imagine if we can start something for people that doesn't just give them the night of their dreams, but exceeds that. Wow. Um, and also... There was a million other things. Why does a club night need to look like a club night? That's what we kept telling ourselves. It doesn't. Like, why are people following all these formulaic rules? And so we, we simply wrote, and I continued <clears throat> to use this tool in my life, write down things that give me joy. Mm. 
Um, mm. And I said to you before we started recording, I've taken that in my life. And that's a big part of that is in my book, actually, is to, to chase your joy and not the detail. Because I think when you chase the detail, it never looks like what you think it was going to. But if you chase the joy, it keeps you ever present. And then the detail ends up exceeding because you got there feeling great about the whole process. So we were, at the time, we loved throwing these ridiculous house parties. And me and Amy would just pluck two words, right, out of thin air. And that would be the theme. Like, what do we do? Flamenco, flamingo was one of our themes for a house party. What does it even mean? It means nothing. But everyone would go mad for it. Like, what was the other one? Um, Silly salsa. Oh, my god! That one didn't really resonate. <laughs> I, I really love the flamenco, flamingo. Flamingo. That was a massive... We a got Yes, one. we got a flamenco dancer to come to the house oh, and teach everybody how to dance. Wish I'd been to that yeah, one. Um, and they were really creative. It was in our friend's house in Shepherd's Bush. Hey! And um, it grew from that. And we love festivals, but we particularly love day three of a festival when <laughs> everyone's a bit messy, you've lost all your things, you're wearing someone's leggings that you don't know how you got them, and you leave thinking, yeah. did I get an STD? I'm not sure. <laughs> So guess we'll find out. Guess we'll find out on Tuesday. <laughs> and also find out if I still have that job. So um, we just collated. And it started so small. It started small because we were so in our own bubble, me and Amy, that we didn't really have a massive network of friends. Yeah. So we've the only person, one person, Chad, that we knew that was the manager of a bar. We literally went in on him. We pitched. Yeah, we're going to do it. It's going to be the most amazing night it'll be irredefining it'll be like nothing you've ever seen and he's like okay sure what should we call it i'll sing the ping and he was like can we call it fry gay we're like wow no we're gonna call it sing the pink <laughs> anyway so the first one was so small we had 34 people something like that stop the most the majority of those people came from bristol we shipped them in <laughs> um actually do you know who was at our first ever night jess glynn Oh my god! And I only when I was being nostalgic at old photos, I went back. We filed everything. I went back and looked at loads of old photos yeah. in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm flicking through the first ever party, and I was like, "No, this is why I love it's photography." So, just yeah, and you see all these people that are now like yeah, mega stars yeah, yeah. that used to come to sink the pink. It's really been so such an important creative space for people to find who they are and, and, and explore but quite anonymously no of course and I so correct me if I'm wrong so you create this night yeah. because when I was coming to it and even way before that for me it was you know you guys you got this whole incredible like I don't know what you you were all like a true we fabulous troop. we were a family but there, it was there was loads of drag queens yes. and it was but that was wasn't that, the plan that right so that's what I'm trying to get no, at no I think okay. it's always weird actually we've always been at the forefront of movements whether it be drag or whether it be um you know we've had lots of trans people whether it's gender whether it's whether it's just what we do with our with our space we've always been quite at the forefront and mm. none of that has actually been intentional because we've always said that we mm. are a night for humans to come together in a labelless culture where you just respect and love each other and so because of that um we've created a um, um, a kind of community of people that understand that culture. Mm. And so, but what we really, the way it started was just doing it for us. Then when I kind of found that through the night, you know, when I found that self-assurance, when I found, I guess, my own worth and what 
I wanted to do, which was this, whatever this is, I'm going to do this. I started finding those other waifs and gays around and with talent that no one was seeing. So, and they're still with us now. That's the best thing. You know, Alex, who is now the set, builds all the sets for Mighty Hoopla. And I saw this amazing creative young gay and I'm like, come on, come and be part of us. Alexis Deluxe, let's go. And then we found lots of people, choreographers, and we just became this amazing, fearless, wild, raucous energy. And we were in the eye of, I was in the eye of the storm and they were kind of working around me. And we, we really were so unaware for so long of the attention that we were getting. Um, and there's, I think I was so unaware for so long. And I think that was half the beauty of it. We were just having the time of our lives. Because you were just living it. And I think we were, for the first time, what what was reoccurring for all of us was the first time we were getting to live the way that we'd always wanted to, in a, in a way with people. Absolutely. It was just, it's, I think back to some of the times I've had and I'm so proud of the work I've done, but I think even if Sink the Pink was the only thing I ever created in life, it's such an achievement. Mm. Um, myself and Amy, we, we, I think we're beginning now, now it's over, we're beginning to really process what it did for, for so many people, not only that were involved, but people that came, people that met their partners, yeah. people that found themselves. I was just about to found themselves. You can, and that's powerful. And, I, and I'm so grateful that I got to do that in my life. It's magnificent. Can I ask why it decide, you decided to uh, sort of draw it to a close? Yeah, um, I think you're very, you'll be very hard pushed to find any club nights that have gone past... 10 years Mm. and stayed at the top of their game and relevant and we did 14 nearly 15 years and I didn't I didn't want to bow out in the pandemic I thought we've got to come back and we've got to go out in in on our terms but the the scenes change you know um there's a tv show now that's on television I don't know if you're aware no it's got drag queens on it oh oh, sorry you know that one (laughs) you know that one you might (laughs) It's got Sorry, I was this sitting there. I thought queen. you were talking about a show that you no, were on. I was no. like, I'm, oh yeah, it, yeah. Might, it may have. Um, pop, it's this pop, drag queen called yeah. RuPaul. Yeah, not no. very famous. Yeah, no, no, so no. So it's not very talented. Yeah, so <laughs> I just sort of like switched off. I wasn't sure yeah. about it, to be honest. But that has sort of yes. changed the scene. I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I am saying it. It's changed the scene a lot. Oh my because, God, yes. Because we were all in it together for so long. And now all of a sudden we've got these like micro celebrities within our scene a lot of them on Drag Race have come from Sink the Pink actually and it's an amazing show don't get me wrong I'm not criticising the show I'm just saying it's it's impact that it's had on the scene Um, we all feel it but also listen I started Sink the Pink with Amy she was what 26 I was 27 I'm 42 now um, you look great, darling. Thank you. Healthy living. It's all that plant-based life. Healthy living, <laughs> lots of giant penis, <laughs> and, and Botox. You heard it here, guys. This is what it's all about. <laughs> I'd love to say it's just lentils, but it's not. I'd be lying. So, yeah, it's... um, It just... I And also, as I've got older, I've really tuned into my instinct into what and my instinct my instincts were telling me that it was just time and I thought let's go out and you know that final one by the way we sold out in eight minutes six thousand people we went out on our own terms all bells whistles you know drag queens coming from the ceiling and it was a magical night that no one will ever forget 
And um, there's nothing worse than when people stay around for longer than they And it just have. gets... And it, it fizzles out. Because I think that you only do that because of ego or greed. Completely. I couldn't agree more. So I have to ask two questions before we leave Sink the Pink. Yes. Um, first of all, what was what, some of your favourite moments? Give me like your top two wow. or three. Okay, so one of mine, the first one that popped in my mind there was we got... We went on tour with Melanie C. We created this whole thing. I created the whole thing with Melanie. Had this idea that she was amazing enough to just go, yeah, that's great. And we created this, it's, I guess, like a kind of Spice Girls, Melanie C. Drag review Fab. that toured Prides all around the world. Um, and we did Sao Paulo Pride. Oh, my gosh. But that was and insane. Well, we did it in a really interesting time. She was, the, I think she was the first ever Western artist to headline and it was when Bonasaro was pulling back on LGBTQ rights and so Brazil which is you know a flamboyant mm. amazing uh, amazing place with so many progressive queer people their rights were being taken away and so they came out four million people came out no they did not it was, I can't tell you do you I, I'm a real um I'm a real like I'm all about energy. Yes. And I think that when you have people that are fighting and angry and passionate and fighting for their rights to exist, you can physically feel that energy. And it was really overwhelming. We got there and we performed on this giant moving stage oh. that went from one end of this sort of massive freeway to, to, to the other end. And I mean, I'm Melanie's, you know, she's a Spice Girl. She's yeah. performed everywhere. But... She was so overwhelmed by it, so overwhelmed. And it was just so magical. And it just made me realise the importance of visibility. And, um, and just because in this country, you know, we've got gays on Coronation Street, yeah. doesn't mean that, that I think actually being nice and safe is actually when you need to fight the, the, the hardest because actually it's your obligation to do it for all the people that are having their rights pulled away. Totally. So that was amazing. Um, I would say the final one was up there. You know, what was good about it is we didn't really announce any of the artists that mm. were going to play. And we just had this giant pink klaxon. And then, you know, we had Jake Shears and we had Nicola Roberts from Girls Aloud, Nadine Coyle from Girls Aloud. Um, Paloma Faith came Amaze. out. I just... Becky Hill came epic, out. Epic. Loads of friends and they just kept coming. And it, But what was amazing about it was the, the vibe backstage was just electric. Oh, it, was. it was so exciting. Um, so those are two amazing moments. But I would say that the most magical moments are Bethnal Green Work and Men's yeah. Club in our dusty old... Back, back to back to its sort of you know formative was, years. Yeah, because we we were just on the cusp of something. Yeah. We were getting all this attention. Mm. Up until then, no one even knew what what Sing the Pink was. And mm. then all of a sudden, we've got supermodels and yeah. all these big pop stars queuing up in Bethnal Green outside an old working men's club to come in. It was the most batshit time of our lives, and it was just hilarious and ridiculous. Yeah, oh, I just think what you created is just. Incre it's profound. I Thank think it's you. amazing. So trying to find a link here with the food. Yeah. I guess what I want to ask, you know, because at the end of the day, you're performing. Yeah. So tell me, when are you eating before night? Are you eating quite, like, is, does food even play any importance in all of well, this? Well, actually, those work in men's club days, it really did. Because me and Amy always 
thought of ourselves as the parents. We very early on actually realised that we, and bearing in mind, I used to party a lot more than her, but we, we knew that we had to feed and look after everyone. And a lot of these queer kids that were involved in Sink the Pink, really, it might have been their only meal in a couple of days. So, and we were right near uh, Bethnal Green Road. So it would be, we would do a lot of, Amy loves a carrot baton and hummus, whereas (laughs) I'm more a kind of dirty falafel guy. Oh yeah. So we were just, and lots of pizza, lots of snacks. It wasn't healthy. But it, it served its purpose, but right? But also, we, and then the food started getting more comedy, almost, okay. you know, like fondant fancies. Oh, I love a fondant yeah. fancy. Or cherry bakewell Mr. Tart. Kipling. Like, I, because <laughs> I think what happened was the working men's club informed the kind of food that we would yeah. start bringing in. And then before we knew it, people would arrive and they'd have, like, they'd have a buffet, a spread. Oh, stop. Or as my mum calls, oh, she did a lovely spread. <laughs> oh, Auntie Shirley does a lovely spread, don't she? <laughs> So we would have a spread and it would be, I mean, it would be a lot of beige food. Okay. But there was something amazing about that as well, because I grew up going to places like that with that food. So there was something so weird that I was getting to relive, but this time in a jockstrap and a pair of nine inch heels. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? It was such a crazy... We've come around full circle. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, So that was what I ate back then. My diet was not good then. Mm. Um, Also, I think... I've always not eaten meat. I've always not. I've always been veggie, not vegan, veggie. But I think you think that you're still being healthy sometimes. Yeah. You, you kid yourself because, oh, well, I'm not eating meat. Yeah, but you are on your 19th bag of salt and vinegar crisps. <laughs> and that's no, that, not a meal. That's, that's the issue I have. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it was at a time where health was not at the forefront of my my um, my noggin. But you, you know what, you were... Also, the energy exerted on those nights, yeah. you know, you kind of had to have a bit of a carby base to at least kind of get you through and soak up all the alcohol and, yes. you know, whatever else was going on. I have to ask you, how long does it take to do your full face of makeup? Well, I... Okay. And do you do it or does someone do it for you? Well, I don't... So that, that's, a, that's a distant memory from the past. I don't really... Um, because what happened, right? Let me tell you. So there was a moment where I was the artist formerly known as Glynfamous. Yes. That's me back in the day. There was a moment where all of a sudden me running the club night, organising everything, paying them, and then being front and centre. Yeah. was problematic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Obviously, everyone's behind me. It's a showgirls yeah. moment yeah. with their pearls ready to push me down the stairs. And also, I remember there was a moment where we were performing on a really big stage and I walked down the stairs, the curtain dropped, and I looked down at myself and went, what the F am I doing? <laughs> it just felt weird. I looked like my dad in a pair of heels, okay. which I've seen. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and um, he does it better than me. So, but the queens take a long time. That was part of the joy of Sink the Pink. Everyone would rock up in the day, we would feed, we'd hang out, we'd rehearse, and then everyone would get ready at their own, uh, like leisurely pace, because everyone was actually connected. There was people in relationships, there was people that lived together. I never had that luxury because I would be running around. Mm. We were very DIY till the end, mm. filling up fridges, making mm. sure people had got taxis. Mm. I've always still been that person. Mm. And so because of that, I used to almost just cover a table in Vaseline and glitter and headbutt it. <laughs> you know? And that's not an exaggeration. Um, or pay someone to do my makeup, which happened in the later years. It was a real luxury. Yeah. It's interesting you talking about that sort of getting ready together because it goes back to what you were saying when you and Amy were talking about 
what is that part of the night when you're getting ready with your mm. friends and like for me i actually love that part because it is it's that it's that feeling of like what's going to happen there's that so, somewhat excitement yeah. expectation or where you you walk in or you're hosting your friends at your house before yes. and they arrive and it's what they're going to wear exactly well then imagine that with drag queens well this is what I'm so saying so we became fabulous we, that was part of when, when I talked to a lot of the, the queens now that was their favourite bit yeah the showing off totally and we weren't you know there's a culture of drag now it's quite there's all about that shade and shadiness yeah, yeah, yeah. we just were not that no. we were, we've always been <laughs> the ultimate happy kind of gay clappy seals and encouraging and cheerleader like and um yeah it's I think you when you have a moment like that in life which rarely happens you have to know when to let it go as well I don't want to just rehash stuff of course of course we're gonna leave sink the pink for a bit now you've put your hand to the mighty hoopla incredible festival Mm. again we could talk for hours on this as well but you know how has that evolved over the years well it's got bigger it's got bigger, yeah. way bigger. We did 30,000 people each day this year, two days. Incredible. Um, we bought the sugar babes out of retirement. Yes, you did. So, where's my MBE? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, Damn right. Which I've been talking with them for that about that for years and years Are and you years. talking about the sugar babes or about the MBE? No, sugar babes. Oh, okay. Actually, um, I think we should talk about the MBE yeah, as well. I know. <laughs> um, so, it's got bigger and bigger. It's a bit, listen, I am one cog in a very big beast. Sing the Pink was, like I said, we were DIY, but Mighty Hoopla, I sometimes, I, I, I'm very, I, it's, I love it with every part of my being, but it even more so feels as if I'm doing a job for people, mm. for our community. And I think what's amazing is that it's again about that creating space and it floors me. It floors me and, um, all the others that work work on it when we just walk out in that crowd and see people having the best time and everyone's nice everyone gets on imagine that what never heard it's of that my hoopla for me it really is it's, it's like a social experiment of what the world could be if yeah. we all just forget about the nonsense yeah. and we all just go and have a lovely time and listen to rachel yeah. stevens <laughs> you know do you know what I'm saying? God, I used to fancy her when I was she younger. Didn't. God, so did my brother. I think she I, still I think looks I the still same. Do, I, I don't understand. She still looks her exactly and, the same. Her and Natalie Imbruglia yeah. literally still look the same. Well, we had Natalie Imbruglia at Mighty Hoopla this year, God. actually. And there's a moment, if you look on Mighty Hoopla's socials... I actually saw her performance. Someone saw it on someone's Instagram. She did Torn and... <laughs> she stops the music and the crowd sang it and I was by the side of the stage and it was a crazy moment crazy moment she couldn't even sing after wow. because she was so taken back by it it's a wonderful thing my hoopla it's mm. a wonderful wonderful special thing that you need to experience um otherwise you're boring oh, I agree before we get back to the food I do just want to touch on I guess listen I am straight yeah. married but an ally, as they say. I want to just touch on the LGBTQ plus community for a second because I, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like there's been a big shift in the way that we're talking yeah. and approaching yeah. all of the issues that we've been dealing with for way too for way too long. Yeah. And I guess I wanted to ask you and your opinion as to whether you think we're making progress. I think we do are. You, you do? Yeah. We definitely. We make. still have a long conversation. Way to go. Conversation is pro- progress. Yeah. Visibility is progress. Yeah. 
Um, but where we're making pro, there's a real contradiction at the moment on a global scale of LGBTQ plus rights. And I think where we're making progress in some places, we're going backwards in others. <clears throat> and I don't think you can only fight one fight. Mm. If you're in for change, you're in for change. If you're in for growth, you're in for growth. And if you love humans and you want us to all have equality, then if you know hardship, your obligation is to fight for anybody else that feels a sense of hardship, you know? So we're, we're all better when we're coming up together. And I think that there's still shit tons of work to do, right? But, and I think it can sometimes feel overwhelming. Mm. And I, I get asked so much about my community and I'm an accidental activist. I didn't, I'm an activist in that I'm, I guess, I actively push forward change. But I would say that I'm actually just, I'm just fighting for the rights of those around me and those communities that I love and that make me who I am. But also this is, this is what it is to be human. It's about seeing someone that's struggling or anyone that's struggling or any community that's struggling and helping them. That is privilege. And so I think we've got a long way to go, but even the fact that you're asking me questions like this means that the conversation is spreading out mm. rather than just in corners in our Absolutely. local gay yeah. bars. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that my mum and dad now understand pronouns that's amazing, isn't it? That's amazing. Um, I just think that it's the trying, it's the wanting for change. That's and not what being it scared is. of change. There's a real fear, and I think that that fear is peddled by a certain capitalist society. <laughs> oh, really? And a cons conservative society <laughs> yeah. that says that change is bad. Change is great. Mm. The only way that this world progresses, the only way that we evolve as humans, is change. Mm. And the biggest change comes when we ask questions. But it's just what you said. It's about wanting it. Yeah. There's a big difference between wanting and but, even need. Or we just accepting. Yeah, exactly. I accept it. Yeah, I don't want to just sit there and accept. I accept it, but when I close my door, I'm going to be slightly bitter. Exactly. And there is a part of that, yeah. but like, shut up and fuck off. <laughs> and there we go. Get Do that on a t That's my t-shirt. That's Glenn my mantra. for bloody prime minister, yeah. as far as I can. Just can't. shut so up just and shut up fuck off. <laughs> So there's absolutely no seamless way to bring it back to the let's food. Let's bring it back to good. food. Let's bring it back. Come on. So tell me, in general, what's your relationship with food? Pretty healthy? Yes. Yeah. I love cooking. I love cooking. And I I would say I am, I like interesting flavours. Okay. And I think that that is because, oh gosh, I hope my mum and dad don't listen to this. I grew up with quite bland meals. Oh! oh no, but... Probably also sign of the times as yeah, well. Like I we're think, talking what, like the 80s. Yeah. Listen, and, the and, food scene in the 80s was not something to yeah. be like, you know, and I love, about. I love food. And, and I would say that my connection to food is very sensory. Okay. okay. So I'm all about the smell of it, the way it looks. Like I'm quite handsy with food and I just don't care. Yeah. Um, and if someone's cooking, I'm in there. Yeah, I want to have yeah, a look yeah, at it. Yeah. Because I think it's so connected and... And I, I really love cooking. I never thought, like, I can't do cookbooks. That's not my vibe. I'm very, I'm a, I'm a cupboard surprise. Yeah. And I get off on that so much. 
And I think actually the way that we cook and the way that we eat and the way that we, our relationship with food is so connected to where we've come from, our careers, what our personality traits are, our families. Um, So yeah, I, I absolutely love, love, love food. What are some of your specialities at home? I love... I do love to make gazpacho. Oh. Which, by the way, and I make a watermelon gazpacho. Oh. Which, and um, with black olives in oh. it. So you get that gorgeous, sweet, and slightly acidic flavour. Okay. Yeah. And then you have the salty um, black olive. Oh, or you can even put a, a, a bit of black tapenade that on the top. That sounds delicious. It's amazing. I'll send you the recipe. Please. Um, I'll only send you the granola. Yeah, and, and, then, and then it's naughty, but you can sprinkle a bit of feta on oh, the top. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because you know watermelon I mean? and feta, obviously. And then a bit um, of basil. Yes. So I love gazpacho. I love anything tomato-y. Mm-hmm. Um, what are my specialities? I don't think I've ever made the same meal twice. Okay. I'm, you know, so I, I do a lot of... I, I actually have carried on my mum's one-pot tradition, but I guess I've changed them up and made it, you know, a lot of curries. Um, do you like spicy food? I love spicy food. Good. Yeah. I do a mean kind of tofu a lot of tofu scramble kind of Ooh, stuff. Okay. Um, what else have I made recently? Do you like tempeh? Tempeh, tempeh. Well, I like tempeh if it's good because yeah. you there is so no it's middle really ground hit or miss. there's no middle ground no. with tempeh i think that if you get really good stuff yeah then it's amazing um but otherwise it's just rubbery nonsense mm. um I, t- I like a lot of i like quite acidic things actually i love i don't know if you do but i love kombucha Oh, okay. Mm. So my husband loves it. I'm not a massive I fan. I love it. Which is weird because I love fermented things. Do you like kimchi? Yeah, I love like, kimchi. Yeah, so, I love it. Yeah. And I love anything with jalapenos in it. Oh, God, of course. Jalapenos. I'll shove a jalapeno yeah. on my granola for all yeah. I know. I was wondering what you were going to say then. But, well, <laughs> I've been known. <laughs> Spicy. So if you're out and about, where are some of your favourite restaurants to go to? Oh, gosh. Do you know, I will go anywhere that does a great oyster. I love oysters. Do you know, I went to Nobu, actually, on Friday. Oh, I, and I it do. just never lets you down, does it? it? Re- do you know what? I don't want to come across as like I don't want to be bougie, that whatever, tra- but, but it really it's, is Do you know why it's incredible. amazing? Because it's... What I like about it, actually, the way that they kit their restaurants out, is really not pretentious. Mm. It's really th- a throwback to those kind of quite Soho-esque... Um, Japanese restaurants mm. that are not that but then the food comes out and it's a work of art it is and the flavours and the it tastes so fresh I love fresh food um, do you know what I say about Nobu like call it what it is it is bloody expensive we know that yeah. right but it is one of the only places in the world that I would rather save up for and know that I'm spending my money somewhere that I'm going to get the most incredible meal that yeah. I definitely can't yeah. make at home that I I'm not going to get that quality elsewhere. Yeah. And, and then I feel, I'm like, you know experience. what? It's an experience. It's not, I don't a, I'm go, just going to drop in there for no, dinner. No, I'm not going every week. I'm not even going every month. But yeah. it's a special occasion and it never disappoints. Yeah. Do you know, I've got another one that I've discovered recently, actually. This great breakfast, brunch, lunch spot. It's called 215 Hackney. Okay. It's not in Hackney, so that will throw you off. Wow. Um, it is. Oh. It's in near... It's James Cochrane. 
Is it really? Is it no? One, two. No, two, one, five. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, so James. It's, sorry, James, but I'm sure what you do is great. So it's, re- I mean, it's just a coffee shop that does great food, but the food is, um, I think it's Iranian. So oh, I'm Iranian. It's amazing. Wait, You're, what? Where they, is do, it? Have you ever heard of a salad called a Dak Dak salad? No. So it's. Uh, Where is this place? It's in near, sandwiched in between Stoke Newington and Manor House. Right, okay. On the Woodbury Reservoir. Okay. And it's fantastic. And more than that, I've never in my life had service like it. They are so gorgeous in there and they remember you every time. The food is so fresh. It's so, such high quality and it's so reasonable. What's, so what's the Dak Dak salad? Dak Dak salad is finely chopped tomato, cucumber, dates, walnuts, olives. Oh my and gosh. Pickled on, like pickled <sighs> onion strips. And then it's just seasoned in this beautiful fresh Ooh. vinaigrette and it's amazing. And they do, it's just the greatest place. They do these, um, this sort of fudgy pizza bread with, with amazing roast aubergines and homemade baba ganoush. I love baba ganoush. Oh, me too. I love baba ganoush. I could eat that till the cows come Oh, out. God, yeah. Um, <laughs> Can we so go together? Yeah, I'll please. take you. Can I'll we take go? you. It's so okay. great. It's so great. And they never, you know, it's consistently yes. great. Yes, Um, Where else do I love? I actually, do you know, I, I like Brat. Have you been to Brat? Still desperate to go. It's so, on my list. I, I prefer the one in London Fields that yeah. they've done because it feels very East London. Yeah. You know, you feel a little bit like you're outside. Now, even though I'm just going to lay it down here, every now and then I will eat a piece of fish. Okay. If it's done really good. They do the most incredible turbot there. <sighs> Beautiful fish. And... It's not cheap. No. But it's... Turbot's one of the most expensive. It's the most expensive yeah, fish yeah, yeah, you could yeah. buy. It's because it's the most gelatinous fish. Oh, there we go. There you go. But this, they, they I think they marinate it and they cook it on a, in a low wood oven. Oh, wow. And it almost caramelises. And it is exquisite. So I love it there. Do you know, I love London because I would say the general standard of food is brilliant. I think it's at its absolute best. And it's forever moving, yeah. forever changing. When people say, where do you go to eat? I almost stumble because I'm always I'm going saying, to new amazing yeah, yeah, places. Yeah. And kind of a bit like what you said about you never cook the same thing twice. I actually think that at the moment, there's so many places I want to try. Yeah. I'm not even going to the same yeah. place twice. Yeah. Except maybe Nobu, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. When I've had a good day. Yeah. <laughs> so... I always end with a few quickfire questions. Are you ready? I am so ready for this. Okay. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Oh, in Australia, I went to one of those, oh, when I used to eat meat and I had like alligator. Lovely. And kangaroo. Delicious. And all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and crocodile. I had crocodile. Nice. It's like a mix between chewing gum and chicken. Chewing gum and chicken. <laughs> there we go. So appetizing. What's been your most memorable meal? My most memorable meal was the first date I went on with my current boyfriend, the love of my life. We went to a place called Jim's Cafe. It's no frills. It's on Chatsworth Road. It's an old biker cafe. Nice. The guy that owns it is the old, he's the head of the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Love it. And it's amazing. The food there's great. The Bloody Mary's amazing. And... The week after, my boyfriend got me this gold bracelet, which you can't see because podcast with the coordinates of that oh, cafe on. Oh, stop it! And I knew that it was the man I was going to marry for the rest of my life. Okay, that is He's amazing. the most I romantic. I could cry thinking about it, and I'll never forget that meal. It was beautiful. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Okay, got a bit sentimental there. <laughs> most important question you're going to get asked today. Okay. 
my favorite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. What is your, wait, what is your favorite flavor of crisps and why? Why, right, okay. I can go one further on this one. Mine is uh, sea salt and Chardonnay vinegar. Oh my God! Co-op. Yes! Finest. Oh there my God, nothing. you're the only other person that no, said this. It is. I don't believe it. It is no. the creme de la creme Stop of the bloody crisps. podcast. We're done. I, We're done. I have been known to put away four bags in a day and the next day I wake up with white lips. Yes! It takes all the skin off all your lips. All the ulcers on your... Oh, they are just okay, something else. Right, there's a big history with these crisps and crazy sexy food. So I interviewed many seasons ago um, a dress designer called Kate Halfpenny, and she's the lady that designed my wedding dress. Nice. And she des- she's amazing. She styles for and designs for a lot of people. And she said her favourite pack of crisps was this sea salt and Chardonnay. And I thought, from the bloody co-op, are you serious? She said, trust me on this. So I end up buying a packet one day. And my life... It's a it, sexual it, it, it was, experience. It was so sexual, I cannot explain to you... They are just you. so good, aren't they? By the way, Ever if you go never, go, never go and buy them on a Friday. My one is always, always sold, sold out. out. Always sold out on a Friday. They're a cold crisp. I'm going to tell you a really... We're ruining it, though. There's no, never no, going to be know, none left I'm about, to, I'm about to say something else that's going to seriously ruin my life, because there's somewhere else you can buy them. You know the co-op is connected to Nissa Locals. Oh. And Nissa, Nissa, whatever you want to call them. You've got one down here. Yeah, they sell them there. I'm trying to be healthy. You're ruining it for me. But those big, ba- oh, I know. Amazing. Oh, do you know what? You've just completely made my day. And I, this is so <laughs> pathetic that if I do buy that big bag, I make sure I do it with my boyfriend's out because I will not share them. Are you kidding? No way. I don't share. I any get crisps. really territorial oh, no, with those crisps. I, get, I actually think it's rude when people want to put their hand yeah. into your packet. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad yeah. we've done. Okay. What food sums up happiness for you? What food sums up happiness? I touched on it before, but this sounds crazy, but gazpacho. Okay. Which is crazy. Is it because it's quite comforting as well? It's because I always have it when I get to a hot country. Spain in particular. I love Spain. I have a lot of history with... Mallorca and Ibiza and places like that and whenever I get my friend I've got a really good friend Jasmine who I have often like when I'm in Spain I'm with her and I get off the plane I say right let's go and get some gazpacho and she's like for god's sake just put a, you know some tomato sauce in your mouth it'll do <laughs> I think it's the it's the feeling of summer yeah for me I just it and makes me so feel, fresh it makes me feel clean yeah gorgeous. no I, I I do I do get that final question mm. live to eat or eat to live oh I live to eat too much nice. yeah, yeah I live to eat I mean I'm the kind of guy that when I'm eating my lunch I'm talking about what I'm gonna eat for dinner mm-hmm. I I am more about um I mean I've, I've sometimes try and you know I don't believe in the 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 boxes that we put meals in, I think I'm a, like a grazer. Yeah. So in my desk in the day, I will always have snacks, always. I'm always on the go mm. and it's exciting. It's creative, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Oh, especially completely. if you've prepared it yourself, there's something amazing. I love to cook and give people food that I've made as well. Mm. Really, because I'm a show off. Okay, well, I'll be coming to your scene, don't worry. Glenn. Thank this has you been amazing. so, so much for joining me. This has been a really interesting conversation. I think what you've done, not just for the LGBTQ community, but for the world. For gazpacho. For gazpacho <laughs> and for the co-op, sweet, uh, sea salt and Chardonnay yes. vinegar crisps. Uh, we will forever be thanking you. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck with everything. Thanks for my granola. You're more than welcome. You're going to get the recipe. And until next time. Mm.
thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time, bye.